1: I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Shawna Game. This is Millennial Money. And today I've got one of my friends... A really cool chick that I met in Boston recently, Tanya from My Fab Finance, on with me today. And she has just this amazing business and amazing platform. She talks a lot about how to stop the paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck cycle. And I think what's really cool, and hopefully what you guys will learn from this interview and conversation with Tanya, is paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck doesn't just mean that you're poor. It doesn't mean that you don't have any money. Uh, Well, actually, I guess I should say, it does mean you don't have any money, but it can happen to anyone. I swear to you, we talk about this in the interview. I have worked with hundreds of clients who make what any of us would consider a lot of money every single month, but they have nothing left. It just literally flies out the window and it creates this, almost this panic sensation. I mean, they know they're making so much money, but they don't know where it's going. And these are like all of the important lessons that I'm really trying to teach you guys and probably like beating you over the head with is you know things like paycheck to paycheck and and budgeting and all of these things that you think oh those are just those are like you know beginner steps and I've got that figured out but really these are things that happen to everyone but we just don't talk about it so we're going to talk a lot about that how to stop the paycheck to paycheck cycle all of Tanya's great advice and and a few other tips that I think are really cool. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We are so excited to hear from you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Awesome. So you run uh, this company called My Fab Finance, and I was wondering if you could just give the listeners a little bit of background. About yourself and maybe how you came to start MyFab Finance.
0: Yeah, MyFab Finance is my baby. Um, originally, MyFabFinance Finance started as a blog for me to um, basically blog my journey to financial freedom because I was in a financially abusive relationship when I was in college, and I pretty much my healing process was ignoring it all, just acting like none of it happened. Um, and so I, as a result, I also ignored my finances and the financial mess that I was in as a result of the relationship. And then there just came a point where I realized I couldn't move on with my life if I didn't address that and begin to take um, the steps to repair my finances. So I was like, I'm going to start this blog and the whole internet's going to hold me accountable for becoming financially aware and more fin- and financially free. And then it started to take off and other people started reading it and people started asking me to look into different topics. And then I was like, wait, this can be a tool for people to learn about financial freedom and financial literacy. And so I was hesitant though, because my background, I have a bachelor's degree in public administration and a master's in public policy. So I was like, who wants to hear from someone who has pretty much done social work and community building work their entire career, talk about finance. But then I realized that there was a space for someone who didn't have a finance background to talk to people and get them on the right track. Um, as a result of my background, my MyFab Finance, we're, we're nonjudgmental, even in my coaching work that I do with clients. I actually, after setting up the site uh, about a year and a half into it. I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And I went and became a certified financial education instructor. So that I also started taking on clients during that time and coaching one-on-one individuals who needed more support than I had on the site. Um, but the whole goal, my fab finance, we're committed to helping millennials break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck so that they can become financially free and do more of what they love. That's, That's the gist of it
1: in a nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell. I I love that you talk about you know the paycheck to paycheck because I think there there's such a stigma about you know those words and you know obviously with money and finance in general it's not a dinner time conversation. I mean we don't sit around with our friends we don't talk about you know the mistakes we've made or what's in our bank account or how much money we're making or any of those sorts of things. So it's really easy to you know overlook people that are in your life that maybe are living in this cycle. Um, You may be in it yourself for sure. So I'd love to just dive in a little bit about that. And maybe if you could talk some of the tips that you have that you talk to, especially women about breaking this paycheck to paycheck cycle. And why does this happen? Why does this this keep happening?
0: Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because I feel like most of the time when people speak about the paycheck to paycheck cycle, it's like the self-deprecating humor. If they're ever going to talk about it, it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so broke. I have $5 to last me till next week. Or, you know, they're asking for help from someone in their family, but it is, it's rare that when you talk about in a way that I just have to fix my life and you know, who's with me to get this together. Um, I, in the research I was doing, 76% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And one of the things that I found that it transcends income levels. So it's not just, you know, people who, you know, people assume that it's lower income individuals who are living paycheck to paycheck. But what I found is the more you make, the more you spend. Uh, I was consulting a client last night and they were talking about how, you know, as they started making more, their, their lifestyle has completely changed. And they're like, how did we end up with this significant overhead when we did so well with so little before? And so it, no one is really immune to living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I would say everything in our culture encourages us to live paycheck to paycheck, right? Like everything in our culture is like, you should have, you deserve, you need to do this, treat yourself, buy this, buy that, like everything. And so it's just, I really think it's a matter of people figuring out how these companies are marketing towards them and as well as honing into what their financial goals are. And I feel like I got off track with your question.
1: No, no, <laughs> no, I- no, absolutely <laughs> No, I think you're, you know, I, I love that it goes in different directions. That's definitely what I want. So Maybe if you could give, if there's any example of maybe somebody you've worked with, maybe this person you were talking about last night, or, or someone else that maybe come to mind, where um, you know you don't have to give exact specifics, but maybe where you could kind of paint the picture of you know kind of how they were living paycheck to paycheck, and maybe some of the tips that you used to help them kind of break that cycle.
0: Yeah, well, I won't use them, but I, there's a general barometer um, and a gen- general indicator of when someone is living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, most of the time you feel it. So <laughs> you feel the stress and you know that you're not going to make it uh, to the next paycheck without, you know, having to borrow money from savings or someone else or using credit cards. But the first one is that you're consistently living outside of your means. So you're consistently at a deficit, no matter what you do after you pay the bills and everything else that's required of you, you're still at a deficit. So that's one sign. The next one is that you aren't paying your credit card balances off in full. So a lot of... Of people feel like, well, no, I pay my credit cards every month and you know, I haven't ever fallen behind. But if you're carrying a balance over, that means you might be relying on credit to live outside of your means, or you're most likely relying on credit to live outside of your means. So that's another indicator. And then the third one that I usually um, find is that they don't have any, any savings, they don't have adequate um, money put aside in their savings account. So, um, rule of thumb is you know, three to six months. I've worked with individuals who might have a month, maybe even half a month, but they definitely don't have three to six months of their salary or their their monthly overhead put away. And I would even take it one step further, you know, not knowing exactly how much your life costs, so not knowing how much it costs to maintain your existence every month, so not knowing how much you would need if you were to lose your job or whatever it may be to cover your overhead, as well as. Um, not knowing where your money goes. You know, you just have no idea where your money is going each and every month. You just spend, 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 and all you know is that you don't have enough at the end. So I think those are prime indicators. And when I'm talking to a client, those are usually the symptoms of when someone is living paycheck to paycheck.
1: Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, Well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. EarnIn does. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from earning? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earning a part of your financial routine and join Earnings over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earning, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earning today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earning app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Sure. And why would you say, um, have you done any research or maybe, you know, what have you come up with? Why is this happening to more women than men? or Or is it, is it not?
0: You know... I think women, I honestly think we get a bad rap. Um, I think that women, we, and I don't have the statistical data to back this up, but I think women are more honest about our finances women are more forthcoming and more um, likely to seek out help around basic financial management. Whereas men usually go to um, men are more likely to seek out help from a financial advisor or someone to help them grow their money. But I think women, we're just honest about, you know, our shortcomings when it comes to money. And maybe that's just because that's, you know, the gender roles, you know, the man is supposed to take care of the money and have all the knowledge as it pertains to money. And women are supposedly clueless when it comes to money. Um, um, but then I, I do feel like a lot of the industries that cater to women, um, are a lot more costly. I was doing, I was, recall a few years ago, um, someone was talking about the female tax, just about like products um, that are marketed towards women are innately more expensive intentionally because women will spend more for certain products and spend more on the things that they consume. Um, so I think it's, it's, there's so many different layers, and I think that um, I've seen a lot of people attempt to buy acceptance. And I think that women um, sometimes we fall into that more. You can even see it when you look at you know these tech startups. You know, you look at the guys and they're they have on hoodies and you know like band slip ons. You know, they're comfortable. And women, we feel like we have to wear a power suit and you know look in control. And I don't know if that's because we feel like we have to buy the acceptance, but I do think that that kind of plays into why more women might have issues living paycheck to paycheck.
1: Yeah. You know, that's funny that you bring that up. Like just last week, my husband and I were traveling, uh, we were in New Orleans for a conference and I was like surveying the crowd and I'm like, okay, we're at an entrepreneurial conference. And you'd expect everybody to be, you know, maybe dress a little bit funky, um, you know, because we don't we don't have as many rules, I guess you'd uh-huh. say, as the corporate folk. And I looked around the room and I'm like, okay, every single woman in here is like in a business suit. And it's uh-huh. so true. <laughs> All of the guys were in like short sleeve shirts, like ripped jeans, you know, sneakers. And I knew that they were like really powerful, influential people. And I thought like, <laughs> this is just such an interesting study into... You know, the different gender roles. I mean, it's, it oh, is. obviously, we could go on for that
0: forever, but yeah. it's just it's so and a, fascinating. A, a man shows up like that, and it's like, oh, he must be powerful. A woman shows up like that, and it's like, is she crazy? You know, it's just, it's very interesting how that plays out. But I think that that does um, affect the way we spend, you know, our. As women, you know, our appearance means so much more to us, and as a result, you know, we, the handbags, even luggage. I was shopping for luggage the other day, and I was like, oh, I, I realized that I had to just like tell myself, like Tanya, you don't need to get like the most expensive <laughs> or like all the bells and whistles on this, you know, piece of equipment. It really is for transferring my books when I'm going to speaking engagements. Like it doesn't, have, it's not that serious. But just, I, you know, if you don't check yourself daily. Um, it's so easy to give in to that and everything telling you what you should look like and what you should have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just going back to another, before we move on, another quick point that I thought was really great that you made is, um, you know, I work with so many people who make you know, what anyone would consider to be a lot of money and, you know, they don't know their numbers, they don't know what they're spending. And in essence, they're, you know, they may have a million dollar salary, but in essence, they're living paycheck to paycheck too, because You know, all of the money is going out the door. They just keep up leveling their Mm -hmm. life, and it's just such a trend that I see happening. And I think, you know, especially as millennials, like if we're able to kind of put the brakes on and go, okay, wait, like this is how much I know I need to live. Like these are Mm -hmm. things that I, I, I want. I mean, that would be great for me to have, but you know if i if i can learn how to like work my life here at this this lower base level then everything else is gravy you know yeah and, exactly and your life down you know if we look 10 15 years in the future i, I mean you're going to be so far ahead of the crowd it, it, it's crazy but it really is just about you know, getting really set with yourself and going, you know what, this is this is what I need, this is what makes a comfortable life for me. Those other things they're they're great to have, but you know, I really don't want to make a million dollars and spend, you know, a million and one dollar you know, this year and have nothing to
0: show for it. Exactly, and you have to keep leveling it up. Leveling up, of what happens when you aren't able to level up anymore? You know, I I one of my client I was coaching last night. He makes a wonderful. He makes a great amount of money. Like some, at sometimes it's twenty thousand dollars a week, but like they had him and his wife had no idea like what they were spending it on. It's like, we just don't know why we were having to move money from savings. Like, and, you know, that's very, if you don't have an idea of what your life costs and what you should be spending, it's so easy to spend more because you just assume. But when you know, like, wait, my life only costs me $5,000 a month and I'm bringing in, you know, upwards $80,000 a month. Why, am, why don't I have any money? You know, those are real questions that you have to ask and. Um, it's really good when someone just realized like, wait, I I need someone to intervene before it's too late versus someone saying, you know, we made all this money and we were doing really well and then we both lost our jobs and it's like, okay, so now we don't have any money to work with. I can't, you know, it's so so much more challenging. Like, where are we going to pull the savings out? That would have been there for you as a cushion.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so, if you don't mind, let's go back to kind of you know the, the reasoning that you started MyFab Finance and, and talk a little bit about financial abuse in general. Um, you know, you obviously have a story about it. Um, I have a story. You know, I was in um, a relationship a marriage that wasn't great. Um, there were some financial abusive elements in there, mm-hmm. um, and then when I got divorced, I got demolished. So everything that I had worked very long and hard for. Um, I ended up having to give away in order to um, just get out of that marriage. And it was destructive and, and, you know, terrible experience, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn a ton of lessons in that. But I think financial abuse is so prevalent in so many different relationships. And I think people don't understand, you know, what it is – And, um, they're really kind of ashamed to say, well, maybe that is a component of this, this relationship that isn't that great. So I was wondering if you could just talk for a few minutes about, you know, financial abuse in general. And, you know, if there's anything you can offer maybe somebody who's listening who might think they're in that kind of relationship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're right. I mean, I didn't realize I was in a financially abusive relationship while I was in the relationship and then I walked away and I was like, "Whoa." So, he used my credit card to um he charged up my credit card for purchases that I had no knowledge about and was like racking up credit card debt in my name. Um I later found out he was stealing money from me, um but it wasn't just that. It was um there was a time where he was just like, you know, he intentionally like quit his job with no intent on working. So I was the only one bringing money into the house. Like I was and you know, there's a difference between being an agreement that I'm the breadwinner for the household versus, you know, I'm just going to have you go out there and work and pay all the bills so that I can just coast. And that's what was happening. But also as a result, because I was using all of my income to pay all the bills, I wasn't able to build a savings account and have money to leave him because I was consistently tapped out financially. And so that's one of the thing. a lot of people don't realize that like, you know, they're just like, Oh, he just can't get a job. But in the same sense, like you aren't able to do what you need to do to, um, protect yourself or become financially independent because your money is tied up in the relationships obligations. So that was, um, that was my scenario, but they vary. You know, I've, I, I also, I, um, have developed this curriculum and I work with survivors and nonprofit organizations to um, do support groups with survivors on rebuilding after they've been in a financially abusive relationship. And I have seen individuals who it was, you know, they, they, their abuser, um, would not allow them to, uh, take on certain professional opportunities or educational opportunities that would allow them to advance in their career. So there was a woman who she was working on her master's thesis and it was complete and her abuser like burned it, like totally destroyed it and deleted it from the computer, like totally sabotaged her. And so, um, there, you know, there, there are those scenarios, but, um, one of the things that people should know about abuse in general is you know there there could be times where you're just like, "Oh, he they, I was taken advantage of, but abuse is a consistent exercising of power power. Are, or fear to maintain control over another individual. So it's consistently, you know, it's like there's a clear pattern of this is how they maintain power and control over this relationship. What, and a financial abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, those are all the tactics that are used to maintain power and control. Um, so it usually goes in tandem with other elements. But if someone is in an abusive relationship or one that is financially abusive. So if it's financially abusive and there aren't any other, um, like if you're not fearful of your life, you just feel like, um, they are totally sabotaging you financially. Uh, I still think that you should reach out to a nonprofit organization. Um, there are, I think every state probably had like every department, state department or whatever it may be has a, um, have nonprofit organizations that they partner with or have a listing of organizations that would be in your municipality and they can, you can connect with them that way. But I think that anyone who feels like they're in an abusive relationship should go through that route because you never know what someone is capable of and they can help you plan to exit or approach the situation in a, um, in a smart way. So for some people, they need help planning their escape for some people. A lot of people don't know how to safeguard yourself. So if you feel like you're in a abusive relationship and Most people don't know, don't look it up on your computer at home or a computer that your abuser has access to because a lot of abusers track your activity online. And if they find that you're looking at these organizations, you know, you never know what the repercussions of that could be. Um, So it's just important for people to just go directly to an organization, maybe look from your phone or look at work or go to a library or Internet cafe or something like that and go to these organizations and begin safety planning with them. Or, you know, or they can also help you with legal take the steps to protect yourself legally in my relationship. I didn't document the abuse that was happening physically. So when I left, when I, the apartment was in my name naturally. So when I decided to leave, you know, I told him it's abusive relationship. I'm I'm fearful of my life. So I'm going um, back to my parents' house, but they still wouldn't waive the remainder of my lease. So it was a broken lease. That was on my credit report that I had to pay. I think the remaining six months out of the lease in order to get out of that. But if I had legal paperwork demonstrating that it was an abusive relationship, they would have let me out of it. So it's just important to speak to someone before you leave so you can start planning properly. I'm Samantha
1: Cole, host of the new season of Understood, the Pornhub Empire.
0: Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world only to shatter their cheeky
1: reputation in a massive scandal.
0: The Pornhub Empire is a new
1: season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, How Do You Start Investing with a Thousand Bucks, where they explain how you get started right away and Back to Basics of Building Your Portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, that is such great advice. Thank you so much for your honesty. I think there's a lot of people that need to hear that, and also that, that you know this doesn't just happen to women. This happens to men too. I mean, yeah, you know this is yeah. this is gender neutral.
0: <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, it, and a lot, and it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. I think there is um, it, there's a double standard when it comes to handling these cases as it pertains to men, because we were like, how is a man going to get abused? You know, but it happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we'll end on a, we're going to end on a positive note. Happiness. Segwaying from financial abuse. So you run your own business. You know, there are so many millennials that are listening that are entrepreneurs they are running their own business. They have startups, you know, you know, all the statistics. So give me just a few minutes on, you know, what is it like to run your own business? You know, what are the pros? What are the cons? And uh, is there any advice you would give to somebody who's, um, you know, thinking about Getting out of the corporate world and starting something like this,
0: yeah, um nothing prepares you for running your own business like running your own business and that is the the truth i before I resigned from my last position um I would say my fat finance was generating a more than my um my monthly take home from my nine to five um for at least 6 to 8 months before i decided to make that transition out of my 9 to 5 um but even then i was when i left the when i became a full time entrepreneur like i was so nervous because you just it's a different game. It really is a different game. Um, your income is unpredictable. There are clients in my case, I have freelance, um, I write as well on the side and your husband's a writer. So you know, this, that everyone doesn't pay, you know, within terms as they should. And so you never know, um, your income really is dependent on others a lot of times. Um, or depending on the marketer, you know, it's very, it's greatly impacted by the lives of others, especially if you're in a B2C type of business. Um, but I would say it, the biggest thing is really having that community of fellow entrepreneurs. Uh, I think a lot of people are married to this idea that you have to do things on your own. Um, and you don't, you know, there are a lot of other people. I think entrepreneur, is, it's hot right now. And so there are so many other people that are going through what you're going through or have been through what you've, um, are going through that can provide you with valuable insight, connections, um, tools and resources that could help you through that particular phase in entrepreneurship. But I, I do want to say, I think there is a shift. I don't know if it's because of the recession of 2008 that a lot of people are just like, forget this. I'm going to start my own company. I don't want to be beholden to a company or a corporation anymore. Um, there still isn't anything wrong with working for other people. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with being an employee. Um, and I, I like to celebrate people, you know, everybody has to play a certain role in society. So I just want to say that there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of people get guilted into it or they feel like they're not achieving certain things that they're not an entrepreneur and it's a grind, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot, <laughs> lot, lot, lot of work. And so that's one of the cons is that it's a lot of work. And, um, Sometimes and it never go, stops. It, no, like you'll score a big contract. It's like, yes, 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 I landed this relationship. And it's like, but we have to fulfill our promises now. Like right. now the work actually begins. Um, but in, in there is freedom that comes along with it. I remember, you know, Sundays I'd be like, ugh, I have to go into the office. Now Sundays are like, hmm. Maybe I'll start working at noon tomorrow, you know, or it's just like, uh, I'll just get a slow start in the week. Or, you know, you can give yourself the time off and you really can build it around your schedule and work from where you want to work from. So there are pros and cons. So I would say the biggest pro um, of working for yourself, or becoming an entrepreneur is really that freedom um, to design your work schedule and your work life, how you would like to, but the, the cons are, it's not easy. It really isn't. Um, I wish I could say that it's easy, but if it was easy, everybody would be doing it and everyone would be flourishing at it. There's a reason why the numbers are what they are. Um, So, yeah, just really get that community, really get the community going. Join a mastermind group if you can um, and listen to podcasts. I have quite a few of my favorite podcasts that really like the fire under me um, and remind me to think um, outside the box as it pertains to the work I'm doing.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. We cover like so many different topics, <laughs> which I love because it k- keeps people, you know, plugged in and tuned in. So where can they uh, find out more about my MyFab, MyFab Finance?
0: They can find out at MyFab Finance. So MyFabFinance.com is the domain. And then on all social media platforms, it is at MyFab Finance. And I'm also doing a debt repayment challenge, um, but I believe that will be launched by the time this, um, this airs, but you can all, it redirects you to the site. And if you want to learn more about some of the courses and challenges I do it's banishthebalance.com. And so, uh, yeah, you just type in my Fab finance. I come up.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much
0: for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Great questions.